En esta oportunidad es claro, público, notorio, conocido nacional e internacionalmente, además. On Thursday in Venezuela, President Nicolas Maduro's second term officially began. Staggering hunger and hyperinflation are just two of the many crises facing his people. And with more and more countries pushing him into isolation, it's anyone's guess how long his presidency can last. This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me today from Caracas is Bloomberg's economy and government reporter in Venezuela, Andrew Rosati. Thanks for joining us again today, Andrew. Thank you. So as Maduro's second term begins, describe the state of Venezuela. Well, Venezuela today uh, is in one of its worst states in, in living memory, I would say. The country is racked by hyperinflation, uh, rampant shortages of foods and medicine, and because of a complete breakdown in public services like water, uh, electricity, and cooking gas. And considering all of that, he was still reelected. So how close were those elections when they were held in May? Well, uh, Maduro claims that he won 60% of the, the vote, and to some degree that may be true, but uh, the fact of the matter was most opposition parties boycotted the election. The election is widely viewed as a sham. A, a, a unpopular candidate did contest Maduro, well, two actually, but the problem was that most of the opposition parties did not think the guarantees were there. They did not believe these elections were free and fair. So Venezuelans, by and large, last May, did not see these as legitimate elections. So most people did not go out and vote. Many people that did vote were people that did that believed in the last two candidates I mentioned, but also there was a lot of claims of voter fraud as the government was scanning uh, these state IDs. Many many people mentioned and reported that they were afraid of losing state subsidies, like cheap cheap food and or um, state state jobs at ministries or other government institutions. So by and large there is a lot of irregularities with these mm-hmm. elections. And how did Venezuela come to find itself in this really awful position? After Hugo Chavez died in 2013, Maduro won a very, very close election. He won by less than two percentage points. And again, there, there was also voter um, irregularities that were Mm -hmm. uh, denounced. but over the years, we have seen Maduro uh, consolidate his power. uh, despite being an unpopular, a, an, unpo- an unpopular uh, president, he has uh, defanged the opposition-led uh, National Assembly. He's also he's also stacked the Supreme Court um, with many people um, that are openly supportive of his ruling Socialist Party. And so as he's refused to take these uh, necessary or widely recommended economic measures, things like stop printing money uh, um, that doesn't have any backing to slow down inflation or you know, cut back on some state su- subsidies or simply uh, let some of the markets work, um, he's not really received resi- resistance from in the institution's government. At the same time, while Venezuelans uh, went to the streets by the hundreds of thousands last year to uh, protest his rule. They were mainly beat, you know, beat back by security forces. So Venezuela today finds itself with many people not knowing how to confront Maduro. And a lot of people, with face of all the above, they, they are simply leaving. There's more than three million mm. Venezuelans living abroad right now. And what is then Maduro's message to all of these people, at least those who have chosen to stay? Maduro um, has said, in, uh, as much of the world moves to further isolate Venezuela, including the U.S., much of South America, and Canada, as well as the EU, you know, so he's 
been very defiant. He said that Venezuela is not going to change course. Um, he's, he's promising a so-called economic recovery this year, um, but we haven't really seen indications that, that he's got you know new medicine to do to, to, to remedy Venezuela's mm-hmm. ails. He, he continues to, to claim that Venezuela is, is facing a so-called economic war, that the problems Venezuela is facing is, is the result of economic, you know, sabotage by the political opposition and the U.S. So, and, he, and he's even claimed the U.S. has tried to assassinate him or, or uh, take over the country. Yes, there was an assassination attempt against the president last year. A number um, of, of soldiers were injured when Maduro was giving an address to the National Guard, and that happened right in downtown Caracas. Um, currently, there are a number of U.S. sanctions on Venezuela. The U.S. is... Uh, um, sanctioned the economy, and as well as Maduro and another top uh, number of top officials for for corruption, corruption allegations and for things like allegedly abusing human rights. And um, but at the end of the day, many economists believe that at the heart of Venezuela's problems are these system of Soviet-style controls that are mm-hmm. on the economy. Um, you know, here you must go through the central bank if you want to uh, change any currency. Um, at the same time, there are price caps on a number of basic goods. And these things have really stymied local production and given way to like, widespread graft by, you know, by, by authorities with access to cheap currency. At the same time, you know, many businesses complain they can't get the, the money needed for imports. So it, it's a big web of a mess here. And no one really, no, not that many people I've talked to are competent. Mineral can really dig his way, dig his way out. By the way, I'm not going to rule out a military option. We have many options for Venezuela. This is our neighbor. This is, you know, we're all over the world, and we have troops all over the world in places that are very, very far away. Venezuela is not very far away, and the people are suffering. When they find themselves isolated uh, by the U.S. and sanctioned by the U.S., who is Maduro and Venezuela turning then to help in the international community? Um, Maduro's really been relying on a lot of other authoritarian nations, um, that being Russia, Turkey, um, China, particularly Russia and China, to try and lift the production at you know the state oil industry. But still, you know, production is plummeting. And these countries, while Venezuela has been in a hard place for a long time, there's a sense that they're skeptical, too. So they only really give limited support. They'll extend credit lines or participate in joint ventures. But no nation that I've mentioned has provided the type of money Venezuela needs to really, really uh, get the economy running again. You know, some... Uh, Economists are saying that Venezuela needs a massive bailout, upwards of 50, 60, even 70 billion dollars to really restart things. And other nations, you know, are facing their own problems. And so to invest that type of money in Venezuela is a really big gamble. The U.S. has literally been standing by Maduro's neighbors with Secretary of State Pompeo meeting with Colombian President Duque and Brazil's new president, Bolsonaro. What message is that intended to send Maduro? It's it's intended to send a message of further uh, isolation. People like um, the Colombia's president and, and the the, um, the new president of Brazil have taken a much harsher stance on on Venezuela, in part because the, the whole region is in the throes of a migrant crisis. As I mentioned before, there's over three million Venezuelans that are now living abroad, and thousands are pouring over its borders, uh, often by foot, every day. So um, the, the U.S., in my opinion, um, is showing a support of Venezuela's neighbors that are really clamping down. But at the same time, you know, it's stopping short of a full isolation. The U.S. is still Venezuela's primary buyer uh, of oil, crude, the, ma- the main source of its foreign income. And, you know, 
all of uh, Corpus Christi, there's refineries um, uh, along uh, the U.S. southern coast. You know, we're still refining and buying a lot of crude. And from what so from what I've seen so far, the U.S. has not been ready to cut the you know cut that lifeline off just yet. So if Maduro knows that, how does that help the United States' position of isolation and sanctions if they know that Maduro knows that the U.S. still needs Venezuela? Um, there's, it's, there's two schools of thought that I'm hearing on this. Um, a lot of observers say, you know, some people believe it's a waiting game now. Maduro is very much insulated. Uh, excuse me, let me repeat that. <laughs> let me start over. I'm hearing two schools of thoughts on this. One is that, you know, it's a waiting game. So many of of Maduro's um, foes, both in the region and in the U.S., believe that you know Maduro will not be able to sustain things like this much longer. You know, uh, people have such, uh, sanctioned many of the top officials in in his administration, including Maduro. And at the same time, while he he has these limited support, you know, and inflation is running over well over a million percent, uh, percent now, they think it can, he'll have to eventually step down under all this pressure. But the other school starts saying that many people that criticize U.S. actions are saying, well, as long as Venezuela is some oil is flowing and the U.S. continues to, to buy to buy its crude, you know, Maduro has reasons to hang on. So that this could actually roll out for much, much longer and keep limping on. With the U.S. trying to isolate Venezuela the way they are and with Russia supporting it uh, the way they are and even sending bombers to the country for joint air exercises like they did last month, it has a feeling of a Cold War era again. Is that what we're seeing, a new Cold War? I would I would take a step back with the bombers. And, you know, many people were trying to draw, uh, draw parallels to Cuba. And first of all, there was no nukes that anyone's knowledge on those planes. But I think there is a big geopolitical play here. Venezuela is right in... Um, in the U.S.'s backyard. Caracas is a three-hour flight from Miami. And the crisis in Venezuela has upended the entire, the entire region. I don't think the U.S. wants to, to, say, to show the close allies like Colombia that they're on this alone. But at the same time, I have not seen any nation that, while they don't want to let Venezuela go or let this crisis go unattended, take big sacrifices or make make uh, or escalate things further to really make the suffering worse here. If the U.S. were to cut off its um, Venezuelan crude imports, you know, that would really, really shake the economy here. And many economists fear that would make a bad situation even worse. Um, At the same time, you know, China, Russia have a lot of money invested in Venezuela, and I don't think they're ready to hand that over to another uh, nation just yet. His term lasts six years. How long will he really make it at this pace? Well, there are some people that, uh, um, experts and economists that say this can't go on for another much more than a few months. But then there are others who point to the case of Zimbabwe. You know, Zimbabwe for decades battled with hyperinflation, an outpouring of people. Its, it's um, formal economy essentially ceased to, to exist. So if that's supposed to give us clues, this could go on for much longer. Um, but no one really knows. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. Make sure to follow Andrew and his life in Caracas reporting on Twitter. He's at Andrew Rosati. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm David Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.